0: Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion, yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. We're starting out another week. Probably plenty of more shit going on this week, so it's going to be interesting, might even be entertaining. And uh, in this particular podcast, we're going to spend most of the time uh, reading and talking about three different emails. And uh, that's kind of unprecedented so far. Usually I do a couple or one of them up front, and uh, it takes up a little bit of time. But these emails offer up some valuable information that these people have. Offer up some compelling questions and comments. And uh, that gets me excited. Because this show, as I've said before, isn't all about what I have to think. It's about what all rational boomers have to think. And for you folks, listeners, to send in comments, questions, what have you, is very important to what I want to do with the program. Now, as I sit here doing the Rational Boomer podcast, I am the smartest man in the room. But I'm the only man in the room. It's just me sitting here. But I'm not the smartest man among us, meaning other rational boomers. There's people with plenty of ideas and comments and uh, suggestions out there that we all need to hear. So when some of you participate by sending in emails or voicemails, I really appreciate it. It helps to make the show better. And we're going to get to those very shortly. But I want to talk about the big news uh, from last night. (laughs) Well, I was going to say it had nothing to do with politics, but of course it does. Uh, I'm talking about the Super Bowl. The Rams beat the Bengals. Now, as a Minnesota Viking fan, for whatever that's worth, I really had no dog in this fight. Didn't really matter to me who won. I was kind of rooting for the Bengals because I was kind of rooting for Joe Burrow. I've liked Joe Burrow as a quarterback since he was with LSU, and I knew he'd be pretty good in the pros, and uh, I just like the kid. He's got a good personality, doesn't seem to take himself too seriously, and he's immensely talented. Now, it was kind of an interesting night here with the (laughs) Rational Boomer condo because we kind of went old school on it there were times in the past when uh when the kids were younger my kids were younger and there'd be a sporting event a vikings game or whatever and it would just happen that uh, uh my wife and i and my two sons would get together to watch some sporting event they either weren't out with their friends or or whatever and we were all together and those were always fun you know this The staple is crackers and uh, meat and cheese and uh, potato chips and stuff like that and just watch the game. And that's what we did yesterday, which is kind of weird because both my sons usually have plenty of other things to do, especially my son that's married and has kids. But during the uh, Super Bowl this year, my youngest son was here. And my oldest son came. So it's all four of us back together again, except there was one change. And it was a good change. It was an awesome change. My oldest son also brought our granddaughter, our little 22-month-old granddaughter. And she is a freaking buzzsaw. (laughs) This little girl does not stop moving. And it was the best part of watching the Super Bowl. We were getting up. Been out of chairs she'd see a chair she want to sit in it and then she'd get out of it and then I'd go back and sit in the chair and she'd look at me like got to get out of the chair I got to get back in the chair and she would do that and it it was it was a great time regardless of what happened with the Super Bowl to have that little girl running around the house like a like a crazy person (laughs) was so entertaining so much fun That's far and away more important than any other game. But anyway, let's talk about the game. It really wasn't that great a game, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, it was close. It was kind of down to the wire. A lot of mistakes. It really wasn't what you'd expect out of a Super Bowl. But, you know, it was entertaining enough to watch. And if your team won, the Los Angeles Rams, I know my wife was kind of siding with the Rams because she felt like Matt Stafford needed to get his after all these years being stuck in this uh Detroit line thing where he was very talented, but he could never get to the Super Bowl because the team was never good enough, so she felt like Matt Stafford got his uh, got his what is it uh got what he was due after putting eleven twelve thirteen years into the n f l so good for Matt Stafford he is a great great quarterback and I wish we had him with the Vikings (laughs) but the biggest excitement about the uh, Super Bowl of course was the halftime show and this halftime show there was a lot leading up to it because they were going to um, focus on rap music and I know that um, a lot of people said well that's great but you should have done it 20 years ago and i I would have to say they're right. Uh, rap music when it when rap music first came out, I thought this is a fad. This is I don't even get it. I don't want to hear it. But then as time went on, I heard more talented rappers, and I actually began began to like them. And um, the NFL probably could have done something far earlier than 2022 to pay tribute, and use them as as entertainment during the halftime. Now, the show itself was had a lot of expectations, and it was good. It was really good, but it was a little too polished for me. You know what I mean? Rap is kind of raw and um, kind of edgy, and they made an attempt to make it raw and edgy, but it just seemed too polished for me. It was entertaining. It was fun to watch, and it is about time. But it really didn't portray the essence of what rap was to the people like us or younger people that enjoyed it and followed it back in the day, or even now for that matter. Uh, But even now, today's rap is much different than what it was back when it first started. Um, But it was very polished, and uh, we had some of the rappers complaining that they should have uh, paid tribute earlier. That is true. One of the stories we heard going into the Super Bowl was that Eminem went to the NFL and said, hey, look, in this show, I want to kneel, you know, a la Colin Kaepernick. And And, of course, the NFL said, no, 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 you can't do that, which was exactly the wrong thing to say to Eminem. If he tells you he's going to do something and you say, no, he can't, you know he's fucking definitely planning to do it. (laughs) And that's what happened. They were up on stage. It was a cool stage. They had cars. They had all this stuff. And uh, at the end of a song, of course, Eminem knelt. And it was kind of poignant at the time. But I have to say this. You know, when you talk about rappers, you talk about Eminem, and you talk about this particular topic – of uh, paying tribute to Colin Kaepernick after the NFL did everything they could to uh, ramrod him out of the league. Um, you'd think it'd be more edgy. And, and Eminem, Eminem made his point, but it was seemed all glossed over with all the other glossiness of the show. I appreciate Eminem for doing that. I don't know that it had as much impact as... Uh, they might have expected, but uh, it was a nice gesture, and I appreciate the fact that he did it. And I'm glad anybody can throw something in the face of the NFL. I mean, this this fucking league is a monopoly. I don't even think it pays taxes. It's a it's a the NFL is a bit of a scam. They make a lot of money, and they don't necessarily serve all people in this country, all races, all religions. I have problems with the NFL, but, uh, so Eminem, Eminem kneeled, knelt at uh, the end of his song. And it was, it was kind of compelling, but it didn't quite have the impact of Eminem being a bad boy against the NFL. There wasn't a lot of outrage about it. Now, the interesting thing is that, uh, The one kickback that was given was by a freaky religious right guy, Charlie Kirk. He is uh, the president of uh, Turning Points USA, whatever the fuck that is. What is that? Some other fucking cult? Some right-wing cult? I don't know. I think Charlie Kirk is on TV news or does a show or something. I don't watch that shit, so I don't know. But anyway, what he was upset about, he's going old school on this shit. He was upset about all the scantily clad women. (laughs) Seriously, dude. It's a good thing you weren't around when uh, Justin Timberlake and and Janet Jackson did their show. You would have wet your pants after that one. But he was upset about the scantily clad women. Now, the only really... Quasi scantily clad woman I saw was fifty-one-year-old Mary J. Blige, and she had hot pants on. She looked good, but come on, really—that's the big takeaway you got from that uh, halftime? <laughs> it just amazes me. It seems, it seems like to me that the uh, Republicans are stepping back in time. They want Jim Crow back. They want this Puritan attitude about scantily clad women uh, at the Super Bowl. Jesus Christ. Really what's happening here, these people are flailing. All the arguments they've made about everything regarding politics is uh, dropping like a lead balloon. It's not working anymore. So now they're backed into a corner, and they're flailing around trying to grab at anything. And now they're starting to look ridiculous. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. I, uh, I have to laugh at these people. These people are drowning right now. They are absolutely fucking drowning. And uh, it's tiresome to watch these idiots. All right, let's get to some of the emails. Uh, we got some good ones. We got some good ones. I got this one from Gail and the lead line in the email says I'm pissed. Now, any time I get a message like that from a woman, I get concerned. <laughs> because to be perfectly honest with you, as a man that's been married 38 years, that phrase I'm pissed from a woman, my wife particularly, That always sends chills up my back. Fortunately, she wasn't mad at me. But she told a good story and had a nice email, so I'm going to read that. Hi, Mike, I'm just venting here. I left the Democratic Party years ago amidst a slew of embarrassing public corruption cases in New York State. So I no longer primary vote. I just look closely at each candidate. I read voter guides, then Google them and check out their social media. I go, to, I, I go the extra few steps because I understand my vote is important. My vote is my voice that gives me agency. When the statement is made, the Rithuglicans, her word, not mine, but I, I agree with it, will likely take back any form of government leadership it makes me so furious. They have absolutely zero platform for progress in this country. They have sworn allegiance to a thoughtless, vain, selfish, egomaniacal, ignorant criminal. For 30 years, I worked in direct public service as a first responder, so I know for sure people have abandoned critical thinking for entertainment. The Fox News crowd, just like that orange skin tag, would rather see this country burn and bicker over the ashes than live up to its world reputation. I am just fucking amazed there is any rational human being that would freely turn this country over to that level of total chaos and stagnation. Thanks, Gail. Well, Gail, I get it, man. You are pissed. And I think a lot of us are pissed. And I think she makes some good points. This country, politically speaking anyway, has devolved. I mean, it's stepped backwards. We've got people that uh, will give up everything that's important to this country, that's essential to the basic understanding of this country, just for their own benefit. And I think that's absolutely true. And, And I think Gail takes a similar stance to what I take on politics. As I come out here all the time and I talk about Donald Trump and the Republicans and how bad they are, Many people come to think that I'm a raging liberal and love the Democrats. And that could be the furthest from the truth. Prior to Donald Trump, I was screaming and yelling about both Democrats and Republicans. Because let's be perfectly honest, over the years, over the decades, Democrats and Republicans both have been alternating in power in this country. And we were still not where we should be. The middle class was constantly ignored and never taken care of, and that can be laid at the feet of the Republicans and the Democrats. It's just when uh, Donald Trump came around and the Republicans started to devolve into this Jim Crow, puritanical, evangelical cult that I started fighting the fight for the Democrats. And when I argue for the Democrats, I do that only because it's the only route to get uh, rid of what is really a stain on this society, the Republican Party as we now know it, likes of Donald Trump. Um, the only way to get them out is for the Democrats to be strong and, and to be lifted up. And that's, that, you know, that's why I do this, and I think that's why she's doing what she's doing. We've got to to, um, kind of have a triage here. Fix the worst things, get them under control, and then when it comes down to it and things settle down, then we can address all the issues. And trust me, there are plenty of issues to address, both on the Republican and the Democratic side. The Republicans, too, even before Donald Trump, they had their issues. You know, it's funny about the Democrats. They will say, uh, well, the Republicans don't want to uh, give back to the middle class, and that's what we want to do. Really? I mean, they were talking about the Build Back Better bill and how transitional it was, how nothing like this has been done for 80 years. Well, think about that for a moment. Over those 80 years, we've had Democratic presidents, Republican presidents, Democratic senates, and Republican senates. Democratic House of Representatives and Republican House of Representatives. And in those 80 years, nobody has ever chose to give back or invest in the middle class. That's Democrats and Republicans. If we think one of those sides is most on our side, that's where we're going to fail here. We need to understand that, um, largely speaking, It's us against them. It's not Democrats against Republicans or vice versa. It's us as the people of this country against politicians because our government and our political parties are broken. They've forgotten what they're supposed to do by serving the people of this country and the best interest in this country. Instead, they've chosen to to serve themselves, to fill their pockets, to do favors and help out and make their buddies richer, who are already rich in the first place. Now, she makes a good point. It's amazing when we watch what's going on now. I've said before, we don't have much in the way of journalism out there. It's more entertainment or tabloid news. And that's that's really on us. It's what interests us, what we make popular. Fox News doesn't lie, cheat, and steal, and make up shit, and spew conspiracy theories because they feel that way. Well, maybe they do. But they do that because they get viewers. I mean, lots of fucking viewers. That's why they do it. So without us supporting and encouraging these people, they would never exist. So the problem's much bigger than political parties. It's about the mindset of this country. And part of that is because we've been conditioned by these fucked up news uh, channels who have told us, things that are wrong, and that could be Republican side or Democratic side. As I've said in the previous podcast, these people lean left, they lean right, Uh, they don't always tell you the truth, and they sometimes refrain refrain from telling you anything that is the truth. They've got an agenda working. They want to keep you whipped up and agitated so they can continue to get you to watch their programming, and it comes down to money. We have a much deeper problem, and I think uh, Gail is pointing that out, how it's possible that Republicans can have so many followers when they have absolutely zero platform. I mean, you remember when we came to the 2020 election, the presidential election where Donald Trump was running against uh, Joe Biden. And if you tried to look for what, Platform they had, or what they were going to do for the country should they get reelected. There was nothing. I mean, they admitted there was nothing. The only thing they were running on was trying to take down the Democrats, try to block the Democrats. And to this day, that's exactly all they're trying to do. How in the world do people in this country vote for a party who says, We're not going to do anything for you? We're just going to stir some shit up because that's essentially what they are. That's essentially what they do. Now, the Democrats are talking big about giving money back to the middle class and doing this and canceling debt for, um, for student loans and that sort of shit. But the only reason they're doing that right now, the only reason they're doing that right now, because with their audience, it plays well. And it's because it's the one thing that's going to work against this cult of um, cult of mentality that we have with the Republican Party. I mean, these people are rabid fans; they're red meat eating cult fucking members. So, what happens is, it's—I've said this before—it's kind of like driving the, your car in the snow. If you start to slip and slide and you veer right to try to correct what you're doing, then what happens is you go way right and then you got to correct way left and then way right and then way left again to finally end up in the center and save yourself. So one of the reasons you're seeing the Democrats getting behind getting this money to the people is because they're trying to correct from this radical fucking crazy right and try to get it back to center. But they have to do that by going way left. So my point is, is the Democrats want to give you these things, Build Back Better and the COVID relief plan and all this stuff, only because it's um, expeditious for them. It's the one thing that's going to help them win elections, and that's why they're doing it. Now, when things get settled down, more back in the middle like we've seen it in the past, you'll see the Democrats less likely to be willing to do those sorts of things because they don't fucking have to, and they have the same people that they have to answer to, rich corporations, rich individuals. They got to keep them happy. So as much as As much as what the Democrats may be doing is not really all that, um, I don't know, I I don't know how badly they really want to do that, but we should try to take advantage of everything we can get now. We as a people, we as a public, should grab onto everything we can get. If we can get the Build Back Better bill, we should grab that motherfucking thing, because think about it. 80 years, we've never gotten anything like this. We elect these people. We send them to office. We listen to their shit. We let them make decisions. We pay them a good salary. But in 80 years, neither side has done anything for us? And that fucking piss you off? Doesn't that make you think, hey, maybe they're not doing the job? They can't keep throwing the red meat. We hate the Republicans because of this. We hate the Democrats because of this. It's called divide and conquer. They keep us busy with worrying about the other side while doing nothing for us. And we don't talk about it because we're too worried about the other side doing the crazy shit they're doing. So we're at a time now where I think we're going to veer back way left. I think the Democrats are going to win in twenty twenty two. And then you've got the progressives in this party. They are getting stronger every day because of the far right switch we made. And fortunately with the progressives, we may get a lot of out of out of them up front. We'll see how the progressives go when things change and settle down. But we are going to see them pouring things on. The people of this country, and whether it's for good reason or bad reason or whatever, I think we as a people need to grab as much shit as we can get because clearly, if we don't, we may spend another 80 years getting ignored, getting um, a disservice by our politicians. So, Gail, thank you very much for the email. I appreciate it. You're absolutely right. You and I are in line, is how we think about politics in general. And what is going on now? She makes a great point, and this is why I've said that. I get people sending me emails explaining situations far better than I can explain them. And we're we're glad to be able to hear it. So that's why I'm always welcoming emails and voicemails. RationalBoomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm. Look for Rational Boomer Podcast and leave a voicemail message. Gail, thank you very much. Very pointed. Very... Uh, compelling uh, note and I appreciate it keep sending emails alright we'll take a quick break and we will be right back it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas all right our next email comes from a gentleman by the name of jeff he's written before and the title line on his email is stolen boxes so i guess you know where this is going hey mike Jeff from North Carolina again. I just listened to your daily podcast which I thoroughly enjoyed. Thank you. I just wanted to know your thoughts if any of the courts, what the courts or if any of the courts did accept Trump's lawsuits to block the National Archives material, do you think we would have ever found out about the stolen 15 or so boxes of government property? Also, I think it was you that turned me on to another podcast honestly by Barry Weiss. I may have mentioned that. I, I, I haven't listened to it, so I don't know that much about it. She had a very interesting podcast last week with Matt Taibbi and Brett Stevens, and the topic was American Power. If you didn't catch it, you might enjoy it. As always, keep up the good work. Regards, Jeff. Okay, so um, a Barry Weiss podcast called Honestly. I don't think I've heard it. And I don't know that I recommended it, because I probably wouldn't have recommended it unless I heard it. I've heard about it, and I should listen to it. I do listen to my fair share of podcasts. So, uh, Jeff, I will check it out. And Jeff makes a good point. Donald Trump did everything he could to try to keep those National Archives records secret. He took it to federal court, the appellate court, to the Supreme Court, got his ass kicked every time. So now this stuff is released. Then we hear about all the crazy—would we have heard about any of this crazy shit had um, there been a block applied by Donald Trump to releasing these? And you know what? You're probably right. We probably wouldn't have heard about it. We wouldn't have heard about him tearing things up. We wouldn't have heard about him shredding things— burning things, flushing them down the toilet, and in the end, stealing them. Nearly 15 boxes of documents he took from the White House illegally to mar lago And would we have heard about it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, the National Archives has to stick strictly to whatever the law tells them. And if the law had told them that they've got to keep them in the National Archives and keep them secret— not only wouldn't they have released the documents, but they really couldn't talk about what was going on with them and Jeff makes a good point. How much of that stuff goes on in this country with our with our government? How many things don't we know that have been held back because somebody's been able to um, file a lawsuit and that it's accepted and and we don't get to see it that 's a troubling thing about our government. <clears throat> Now, in the case with uh, with Donald Trump and these documents in the National Archives, there was really no way he was going to win this because it was contrary to what the Constitution suggests. It was all contrary to uh, the Presidential Records Act, which came into existence in 1978. So, you're right, we probably wouldn't have seen anything about these things. And that would have been um a horrible thing for this country we have found out some horrific things that donald trump did with these documents and it's clear that he violated at the very least the presidential records act but there may be some other violations in it um so this This particular situation is is important. As I've said before, this this violation of this Presidential Records Act is minimal in comparison when we're talking about treason or, or some of the things he's done with his business or trying to overturn the election. This is minuscule as far as importance. But the interesting thing about it is it's all right there. It's all in our face. The facts are there. The evidence is there. It's maybe the easiest thing to go after Donald Trump about, and hopefully they will. This is going to put a lot of heat on Merrick Garland and the DOJ. This is evidence of a crime in their face, and they need to act over it. And now the National Archives has even referred it to the DOJ. So instead of saying, oh, I never heard anything about it, I didn't do anything about it, now this shit is sitting on Merrick Garland's desk. He has to make a decision. Now, clearly, he can make the decision to not do anything for whatever fucking reason, but he's going to have a hard time doing that. Merrick Garland is already under a lot of pressure because he hasn't done anything with any politicians that maybe deserve to be indicted, investigated, prosecuted. I have to presume that's coming and coming soon. But this one particular case, when it comes to the records from the White House, when we know of all the things that Donald Trump did and the fact that he stole some and the fact that he still has some and he's refusing to send them to the House Select Committee, is really egregious, really blatant. So this is going to be a hard one to ignore. And as minor as it is compared to the other things he's done, as I've said before, all we need is one indictment. Once the one indictment comes, then it'll all come raining down on him. But just that one indictment will shut him down pretty much. If he gets entitled, prosecuted, and convicted, even if he doesn't go to jail, he'll never run for any office again. And that's the first big problem we need to address. If we can get that out of the way, then everything else will be easier. You're right, Jeff, we probably wouldn't have known about it at all. And that is troubling. And it makes us have to consider the fact that there's a lot of things that we never got to see because some politician found some fancy way to keep it hidden from us. And that's something we really need to address in this country. Our government, our politics are fucking broken. I don't care who you are, Democrat or Republican. You have to admit that. And all you have to do to prove that is look at the state of our country now. Look at the state of our government and our politics now. If it isn't broken now, I don't know when the fuck it would have been broken. Because now we've got some serious problems. So thank you, Jeff, for that uh, email and that comment. Now, this next one is is a longer email, and I get some of these longer emails from time to time. Um, and this is about something that's over now, technically. I don't know that it's over now, but it it's um, um, this this email was titled "Little Insight," and let's be honest, there's a lot of insight here and uh, a lot of uh, um, information. And this gentleman has some experience in the trucking industry in Canada. And when we were watching this blockade at the uh, borders, there was the one in Windsor, but there were a few others. There's one in North Dakota and a couple of others where truckers were blocking the crossings, stopping products from coming from canada into the u.s and it was causing all kinds of problems and the reason they were doing that is because of these vaccine and mask mandates they were against them uh and i think what a lot of people didn't understand was that there are 85 percent of the people truckers that come across the border that are in fact vaccinated and um 15 percent of these people are shutting down these ramps or these bridges and um stopping commerce, causing a lot of people a lot of problems financially because they can't run businesses, they can't move their trucks. Um, So I'm going to read this email because he had some really good insights to this. Good morning, Mike. I have two parts to this email. I'm responding to episode 284 as I catch up from the week. First off, I'm a truck driver. More on that in part two. So I'm happy to hear more episodes are coming. I have an endless amount of time to listen to podcasts on the road and I thoroughly enjoy yours. More the better. I can relate to that. I used to spend a lot of time driving. Don't anymore, but I did. And I listened to podcast after podcast after uh, audiobook to podcast. I was constantly listening to stuff and I was Very appreciative of having good content to listen to while I'm toiling away on the road. He goes on to say, I wanted to provide some insight for your audience who I assume are majority American. Yep, as a matter of fact, it's 94% American. We have some Canadians, we have some other people around the country. I am a Canadian truck driver and want to expand on your points in episode 284 if you allow me to. Absolutely. You know more about this shit than I do. so." Forge on. For some context, I'm a moderate liberal and vaccinated with the booster. There was a movement started by a group of individuals who aren't accustomed to accepting things for what they are. Back in 2019, they started a group for separating the western portion of Canada from the eastern part, from Manitoba and west, and Ontario east, where the western half would be governed independent from the east. Apart from the west coast of Canada, where Vancouver is, this is a largely conservative region. I want to be clear, they don't speak for many. This was a couple of thousand loudmouths who can't accept results of elections. Sound familiar? Exactly. So they have similar problems in Canada as we do here in this country. I found it unusual that this small GoFundMe that they started ballooned to an enormous $10 million within a week or within weeks. We are a population of 33 million in Canada and have a a small fringe group raise $10 million here? I think now. I think not. Now we have learned it saw a massive influx of cash from right-wing groups in the United States. Go figure. I saw DeSantis in Florida was taking or talking about suing GoFundMe for wrongfully, a wrongful action on whatever because they decided to return the money to donors because this was not a legitimate organization. But fuck him anyway. I also saw Fuckhead Carlson, borrowing your nickname for him, uh, was commenting on it as well as throwing his own two cents in. He really hates Justin Trudeau for some reason. On that note, I'm not a Trudeau fan either, despite being liberal, but I don't despise him. More to the point, this has turned into a fucking mess, mainly because the police in the nation's capital, where they first landed, has been uh, sympathizers to this. The organizers did not file a demonstration permit, as they are legally bound to do for the protest, and yet no action has been taken. For Christ's sake, people were setting up cabins and shacks on the street and were carrying jerry cans of fuel and propane tanks right by the police. So they play a major role on why this has gone on this long, holding the citizens of Ottawa hostage. The only time we saw swift action to remove anyone is when an indigenous person, our terminology for what we would refer to as Native Americans, was counter-protesting. The person was quickly removed while causing no trouble at all, and I wonder why. If this sounds all too familiar, it reminded me a lot of watching the J-6 attack on the Capitol where some officers were aiding an abiding insurrectionist. I believe some in our police force are agreeing and promoting this convoy, even though it has not been a legal protest from the get-go. I hope they clean up their act soon. I saw that President Biden has made it known that they want the Ambassador Bridge cleared ASAP and offered the support of the DHS to do so. I only hope that lives are not lost as there is certain to bring conflict when they attempt to clear it. So I hope I was able to bring some context for listeners that were interested in this story. And I thank you for bringing up the story in the first place. My apologies for, uh, my apologies for the length of the email, but I figured if Fred can get away with it, so can I. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. You all can get away with it. You're kind of like my granddaughter. You really can't do any wrong. Um, Best regards, Tyler. And I thought that was an important email because we in the States keep hearing about this blockade in Canada. But what do we really know? We didn't really know much. We knew it was conservatives in Canada and it's just like America. America. Tyler makes a good point. They have 33 million people in that country. That's about 10% of what we have in this country. We have 330 million people in this country. But somehow they were able to collect with a GoFundMe $10 million in just a few weeks. How is that fucking possible? Well, we know how it's possible, and we know how the religious fucking freaky right works. The people in this country, the right-sided people, want to do a couple of things. They want to create chaos. They want to push along their agenda. So a lot of rich folks in America sent money up to Canada so they could pull off this fucking blockade. But only a small percentage of these truckers was really for this blockade. So America's up there fueling the fires, trying to get people to do this blockade, sending $10 million up to them to do that. So you see, this was as much... a a plan by the religious fucking asshole right here. They were trying to create the chaos, and they were trying to make it look as if their points of view and what they want to do are real, because even people in other countries are doing it now. That's how shady these people are. They will do anything, spend any amount of money, just to own the Democrats. That's their goal. As I said, they have no uh, agenda or no uh, platform to what they're going to do for this country. It's just all about fighting and all about going after Democrats and liberals. So they did it this way. I mean, we even had Tucker Carlson uh, go on TV and promote this shit, telling people that uh, this was a bad thing, uh, that the Democrats and the liberals were hurting these poor religious right people, even though they're a minority. See, they understand they're a minority, so they have to pour money into this thing and create this image that it's a big deal because everybody is against uh, the mask mandates. Well, that's just not fucking true. The vast majority are for the vaccine mandates and the mask mandates. Now, none of us like it, But we understand the circumstances, and we're adults, so we understand that sometimes you have to do things you don't like to fix problems. We're not like these spoiled little kids that say, I'm not going to do it. No fucking way am I going to do it, even if it's the best thing for the country. That's how childish these people are. And they wanted to foment this attitude and this image. It was a good commercial for the rights here in this country, and they paid for it. And they happily paid for it. And then you hear somebody like Rand Paul, a uh, representative in, in the U.S., a Republican from Kentucky, saying he hopes he sees it here in this country. He's encouraging these fuckheads to do the very same thing in this country. There was some talk that they would try to disrupt the, um, the Super Bowl yesterday. Well, here's the thing. And here's the good news for Tyler. This blockade, fucking absolutely ridiculous, cost people a lot of money, cost people a lot of time, and for what? For absolutely nothing. Because Justin Trudeau said, uh, and went to the government there, and I'm not sure how they laid out, uh, said, this is illegal, you got to move or you're going to get arrested. Now, Tyler was concerned about the same things any of us would be concerned about. Is this going to get violent? Well, as luck would have it, they did start clearing these trucks off to open up the lanes of traffic to get things moving again. There wasn't any real violence that I've heard of. If you've heard of something, by all means, let me know. But I haven't heard much violence. Uh, There were quite a number of arrests, though. And the big problem with these arrests is, Uh, it could be fines up to $100,000 and up to a year in jail. So who knows what's going to happen to these people. Probably the same kind of thing that happened to the insurrectionists here. They're going to think they're patriots. They're going to think they're right. They think that the Americans are going to help them. But we know how that works out. Once this is over, and once it's not a news story, these big money folks in America, don't give a fuck. They're going to leave you hanging. And some of you are going to have big fines, and some of you are going to go to jail. And for what? For nothing. There was no violence. And part of the reason there wasn't any violence is because these right-sided people, they are bullies. And we've talked about this before. Bullies are cowards by nature. What they'll do is they'll come up into your face and make threats and try to scare you. And that's the only thing they have. If they can scare you and you back down, well, they win. But if they try to scare you and you don't back down, well, they're fucking cowards, so they're going to run. And that's what we're going to see up on these uh, border towns here. They're going to start clearing people off, start finding people, start sending them to jail, and things will settle down considerably. Um, they won't have the support from the Americans because they're no longer valuable to them. So it's good news all around. This thing looks like it's coming to an end up in Canada because Justin Trudeau, whether you like him or not, at least he did the right thing in trying to get this thing settled. It went on too long, seven, eight days, and it needed to be stopped. Because As much as the right wanted to own the Democrats in this, they weren't hurt nearly as much as maybe their own people. This had a dramatic effect on businesses, both in Canada and in America. It affected the supply chain, which affects each and every one of us with inflation and those sorts of things. So as much as these, this small group of people, small percentage of people wanted to Argue and rant about mask mandates and vaccination mandates. The only good they did was harming innocent people. But that's that's the standard standard practice for Republicans. We don't care who gets hurt as long as our agenda gets pushed along. Fucking tired of that. It's so childish. It's so immature, and it's stupid because it's not a good long game. It's all going to be exposed you're going to look bad, and then you're going to try to gaslight people and say, oh no, we didn't do that. Fuck you. That was pretty public. We know exactly what what happened up there, and we know exactly who funded it, and it's people in America. So Tyler, thank you very much for that insight. That's very valuable. And as I've said before, I can tell you basically what's going on on that blockade when it was happening. Somebody like Tyler can give us an insight that I couldn't give, and I appreciate it very much. That's why I value the emails and the voicemails so much. So keep them coming. Again, rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to uh, anchor.fm. Check out the Rational Boomer podcast. Then you can leave a voicemail message. Got a couple of other things I want to address. Uh, So Rudy Giuliani is in discussions about testifying before the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. Wait a minute. Rudy said he didn't want to talk to him. He had executive privilege. But now he's talking to them about testifying. He was subpoenaed by the committee last month. And even though he was against it, testifying, uh, but his lawyers have signaled that he intends to take a less confrontational stance. You'll wonder why. Well, there's a couple of reasons why. He's running out of money. He's got lawsuits all over the place. He's got Dominion trying to sue him for $1.7 billion, which he's going to lose. And he's probably getting scared. You see, this is that turning point I've talked about for a while. When things start coming out, people start stepping back, like some of the people in Congress and in the Senate. The Republicans are saying, yeah, no, you're getting a little too crazy here. They're stepping back. Rudy Giuliani is pretty much done as far as his career and maybe personally, because he may spend a lot of time in jail. Now's the time he has to do something. It's way too late. He's still fucking done, but he's trying to save a little bit of face and save uh, a little bit of his life and his money. So it sounds like he's going to testify in front of the House Select Committee. Now, this is going to make Donald Trump shit his pants, without question. He's going to be going fucking nuts. Because Rudy Giuliani, if he's going to give up information, has probably as much or more information than anybody has on Donald Trump. And this is how it's going to go. The rats are going to start jumping ship and start turning on Donald Trump and the far-right Republicans in hopes of saving themselves. Unfortunately, most of these people have waited too long. This idea of jumping ship and speaking out against these criminals should have happened two years ago, and then maybe they could have been saved. But the fact of the matter is, is they're going to turn now because they had no foresight, and they're going to hopefully try to save themselves, but it's not going to work. They're too deep. They've been involved in too much of the criminal activity. They're going to be held responsible for it. So now they're at a loss. They're flailing, and they have to decide to do something. And they'll pick the wrong thing by speaking up against Donald Trump, because at this point, really, why? If you've wrote it out this long, you might as well continue to write it out. You're going to lose either way. Why would you piss off the people that have been supporting you or allegedly supporting you? But they're scared. That's the other thing about this. Rudy Giuliani is scared shitless, as is Donald Trump and anybody around him. So people are going to make emotional choices. They're going to make bad choices. They are going to think that if I do this, then I'll be okay. Sorry, that's not the case. Rudy, you can speak at the House Select Committee, but you're not going to get your law license back. You're not going to not be under investigation for the criminal activities you did. Um, But he's scared now. There's going to be a lot of people scared. There's going to be people in Congress that are scared. And things are going to shift dramatically between now and November and the midterm elections. So that's kind of fun to see. That's exciting couple of quick other things i want to talk about uh russian skater camilla valieva i think is her name just a 15 year old kid and of course she was she tested positive for illegal drugs at the olympics she's a skater and actually it turns out she's one of the probably maybe the greatest skaters of all time she's pretty impressive for being only 15 and she was going to get a gold medal. They held the medal ceremonies back because they had to investigate this uh, positive uh, test of illegal drugs. Now, let's be honest. She's Russian. The Russians have been um, using illegal drugs forever. I mean, that's part of their, their strategy. The Russians were kicked out of the IOC, And they come back with a different name and a different group, but all the same drugged-up athletes. They keep doing this. And I don't know what's ultimately going to happen. But it was a sad situation because this poor little 15-year-old girl who probably knew nothing about the illegal drugs, she just went through the process that the Russians put her through. They gave her vitamins. They gave her shots. They took care of her, whatever. She probably had no idea what was put in her. There would be no reason for them to tell her. So she's working her heart out. She's very talented. She's got a gold medal. She's going to get more. And then all of a sudden it's shut down because she's got illegal drugs in her. You really can't blame the kid because she's 15. I don't know what, if anything, she knew. You can't villainize her because she's under total control of the Russian, uh, Russian government. But here's the interesting thing. And I'm going to be interested to see how they play this out. Now, as much as she may be innocent, it was clear that she was taking illegal drugs. Now, typically, they would disqualify her and maybe take her medals away from her once they found that out. But in this situation, they said they've uh, cleared her to skate in the next Olympic competition. They've cleared this kid. I don't know if they've cleared her of all the... um, concerns about the illegal drugs, but basically what they've said, they've cleared her so she can participate, and the investigation will go on after the Olympics or what have you. Now, what's going on here is pretty clear. They're against drugs, but they can adjust to it if the athlete happens to be one of the best athletes in the Olympics. If that athlete happens to be Russian, because remember, they've been busted for illegal drugs every Olympics for the last four or five Olympics. So this is not news. This is not surprising. And so they're going to let it go. And why would the IOC do that? Well, it's all about fucking money. It's all about image. Um, I don't know how the Olympics are doing on TV at this point. But if you get some kind of scandal like this, it's going to maybe impact things. This girl, who may be one of the most talented skaters in the world, is going to be taken out of the equation. That's going to hurt their bottom line. So the IOC has apparently decided we're going to let her go, which isn't a bad thing necessarily, because as I said, this poor girl probably isn't culpable for this whole thing. She doesn't know any better. And so they're going to let it go. But what's going to be interesting to find out is if after the fact they actually do investigate it. Once the Olympics isn't big news anymore, I have a feeling they're just going to let it go. It'll fade away into oblivion, and we won't know anything about it. We won't hear anything about this. It's a sad state. It used to be when the Olympics would come on, we, we'd we be excited to watch it because it was... Uh, pure athletics in its true form. And now it's little more than what we're seeing in pro sports. It's all being manipulated by people with money, by governments. Uh, People are shirking rules and regulations because the bottom line is more important. That takes a lot of integrity away from the uh, Olympics, And the people running the Olympics, to be perfectly honest with you, the International Olympic Committee has had its share of questionable things that they've done. Is the IOC legitimate and uh, honest? I don't think so. There's too much money involved, too much exposure, and when you give that to people, they will almost always go the wrong way with it. I enjoy watching the Olympics. It's not as big a deal as it once was, especially with all this other shit going on. But the IOC, the Olympic Committee, wanted to restrict this poor girl for drugs that she probably wasn't responsible for. But now they've given her freedom to compete in the rest of the Olympics. I don't know how to think about that like i say this girl shouldn't be punished for something she knew didn't know anything about and i'm convinced she didn't necessarily know about it cuz why would they tell her and so but at the same time you get the russians breaking the rules over and over again you ban them you allow them to come up with a different name and just do the same shit it says a lot about the olympic committee and the and the legitimacy and the credibility of the olympic committee so we'll see how this Olympics will play out. It'll play out. People will forget about it. And we'll move on to the next thing until the next Olympics. It's a sad state of our, uh, of our society in this world and, and, and uh, the Olympics. I miss the hardcore, really good Olympics where the competition was real and it was intense and far above anything we saw in pro sports. All right, we're going to wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. want to thank you very much for hanging with us and listening. Keep those cards and letters coming in, as they used to say in the 70s. Um, but I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I really do. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. <laughs>